I left my family. I left my kids. I left my nightclubs, my parking company, $35 million to fight the fight. And both families, Gambino and the Bonanno family, Joe Messina, the boss of the Bonanno family, I helped him against the guys who were ratting against him. He turned state evidence into worldwide. His underboss, Sal Vitale, came in and he ratted. The captain, Frankie Copa, he ratted. And alongside them, there was other guys in their family that ratted. Along with my family, the boss, John Gotti Jr., he ratted. Ronnie Warnham, you have the opening statement. He ratted. He said that I would kill him if he wasn't nice to me. After I tried to help him beat the case. Mikey Scars, DeLonardo, John Gotti Jr.'s right-hand man. He ratted. Greg De Palma, another one of John Guy's made guys. He ratted. Fat Dom, another one of his made guys. He ratted. Mikey Scars had Joe, little Joey D'Angelo and John Jr. had him rat because they turned on him. He had nowhere to go. Another guy, Mikey Scars' brother, well, they, they buried him. So he had a flip. He had to come in. And I won't use the word rat for these guys because these guys were left in no man's land by all the captains, made guys giving these guys up one at a time. Welcome everyone to another episode of Mafia Truths with John A. Light. I'm Felix Savine to my right, the star of the show, John A. Light. Uh, before we get into it, as you can see, and it'll be on display for the remainder of the episode, is Mafia International. It's John's new book uh, with Lou Romano. Uh, it is now, are we past the pre-order stage? They've been shipped out, right? Yeah, they've been shipped out. So I guess, yeah, so I guess that we're past that stage. So now that they, uh, the books are being shipped out. Um, so if you want to buy a book, johnalight.com. We're also selling, of course, uh, those signed baseball bats. Hopefully soon uh, signed photos, the signed books or not signed. Uh, you have that option on the site. Um, I think you can also get the previous, your previous books as well, um, I believe. So johnalight.com for all of that. Our Patreon, of course, we always talk about it. Um, we have those monthly li uh, live Q&A call-ins. Uh, you, you know, you can be a part of that Patreon family and uh, ask John everything you've ever wanted to ask him. Uh, we post everything early there, uh, some bonus content, discounts on different merchandise. So uh, subscription start, I think, as low as $8 a month. So um, come join, support us. Uh, it would mean a lot. So the, the link to that is in the description of this video. And then... Um, I think that's it for all the housekeeping stuff. But uh, today, I think, you know, and we were talking well, about it. Let me tell you one yeah, thing. Yeah, go for I, it. Sorry, guys. Uh, the, the cover of this book was done by Fidel Berisha. And for the people that don't know, but I think most people in, uh, in the modeling world, tennis world, uh, Miss America know who he is. He's one of the most famous photographers out there. He did a great job, and I really want to thank him for the uh, work he did. And it was great working with him. He's also an Albanian. And uh, he's a guy that's helped our community uh, immensely in any way he can. So I really want to give him a shout out because he's a he's a great guy, gentleman, and uh, one of the guys uh, I really appreciate what he did for me and what he does for Albania. And he made he made you look younger there. I know <laughs> that, and that that couple was done about only three years ago. So it's because all you guys write all these comments is stress, man. Yes. <laughs> I got my glasses on. I got to take them. I got to keep them on. Sorry. I had a late night drinking last <laughs> night with my brother-in-law. Happy birthday. Uh, so anyways, today we're going to talk a little bit about legitimate and illegitimate business and the crossover because I always think that that's fascinating. And obviously you um, were very successful in your, in your business um, endeavors, uh, both legitimate and illegitimate. Um, and there's a lot of different things that play into it, but I guess first off, what would you say is like the biggest thing? I'm really curious, to be honest. Uh, the biggest thing that you learned about running uh, illegitimate businesses and how it helped you for your legitimate ones, and then vice versa. Uh, personality, without a doubt, uh, you have to find common goals with people and uh, trust values. In legitimate business, illegitimate business, and, and obviously work ethic, you know, to, to try to work hard yeah. and to, to stay on top of your business, no numbers, 
and, uh, you know, realize how to work with certain people because everybody has different personalities. So you're going to have to deal with the different personalities in the street or, or in legitimate business and with your customers, whoever they may be. And I think your personality of uh, dealing with people and knowing how to adjust your personality to theirs so that you get along and, the, and there is no arguing. And some people are a little more anal with the, you know, with the way they want figures and paperwork. Uh, and and you, you try to accommodate them to, to what they like, what they're comfortable, not what you're comfortable with, but more so what they're comfortable with. So what's like the biggest, I mean, and even today, you know, because you still have businesses today, what's the, the number one kind of personality trait you look for in a, someone you're going to work with, partner with, um, hire? Uh, you know, first, you, you know, you're looking at somebody that you're going to work, that you're going to hire. I think somebody that's very confident. You want people that are confident. You know, it's very easy. A, a lot of people are, uh, and I, we talk about this on the show, are always trying to defend themselves. Mm. And, uh, you know, they're not secure enough to say, so what, to, to what any, nobody's perfect. We all have uh, personality defects. We all have some insecurities. We all have dysfunctionality in our families. And I think all those things, you just got to let them go when, you, when you're dealing with people and say, listen, I'm not perfect. I don't dress every day, you know, to, you know, to my top game. You know, sometimes you, you, you make a comment that you shouldn't and you, you just got to let them say, hey, I made a comment I shouldn't. I might be apologetic. And, and really, I think, humble yourself in humility. I mean, humility and, and, and your ego. So if you, if you get rid of the ego, then you're okay with everything and say, hey, like, you know, basically when someone's attacking you or someone doesn't like what you're doing, like, what's your point? Your point is nobody's perfect. I mean, you know, so. What would you do when, say for your legitimate businesses, you had a problem with someone um, and you were trying to go the nonviolent route uh, or non-intimidation route? What was your kind of like go-to of, you know, how to handle, how to handle that? Well, you know, we owned a pizzeria, my family, my sons and myself, and a lot of customers would come in. And they wouldn't be happy, you know, to complain about the price or to complain about the food and, you know, different. And a, and a young guy came in one day, a big kid. He was, he was really, he was a young kid. He was about 16, 17 years old. And he was sitting outside in front of, uh, you know, we had a couple of tables in front and he started kicking over the tables and he threw a, a glass bottle on the floor. He threw it. You know, so I came out and I said to him, uh, hey, what are you doing? And he got up like, he goes, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so, you know, now. How old are you at that? This is a couple of years ago. Oh. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, all right, if you hit him, you look like a big dummy. Because even though he's a big kid, he's a kid. And so you can't hit him. He's threatening you. And he just broke a bottle in front that, you know, there's a lot of old people that come in and walk because there was a train station right there. The steps were at, literally at my door. So God forbid, you know, somebody fell or a kid fell. So I'm trying to reason with him and, and that, that didn't work. <laughs> and so I, I was like, all right, listen, I'll give you another minute. I says to, to uh, relax and I'll come back out. And he goes, what the fuck? Excuse the language. What are you going to do in a minute? Like he took it that I meant, you know, physically and I, basically what i'm saying is go ahead kick a couple of tables over do whatever you want for in, in the next minute then i'll come back out i'll pick the tables up and then i'll try to talk to him but instead he got aggressive and by getting even further aggressive there was a lady that said something to him it wasn't even a man it was a lady because there was a lot of people actually there and i just looked at him at you know the people over my store and i go well, <laughs> i go how do you handle this? Because I really wasn't sure how to handle it. So it was it was kind of funny, but it was also frustrating. But after he left, right, and then finally he leaves and he comes back with his stepdad. And his stepdad was a real nice guy. And I guess the, somebody wanted somebody either said something to the, the stepdad or maybe he told the stepdad he did it. And the, and the stepdad said, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah, go listen. He goes, I'm sorry, you know, he's got some issues and this and that. And he goes, and then one of the women that were there said to him, uh, do you know his history? And the father said, no. I go, that's not important. And then they told him. And then I said to him, listen, when I was a kid, 
I did so many stupid things. And I wish maybe somebody would have beat the shit out of me sometimes when I did something dumb. Maybe it would have helped me change my life. Not that I wanted to hit your, your, your son. He goes, believe me, he goes, I don't really not, and he's not a bad kid. I, I, he probably isn't a bad kid. Right. You know, for whatever dumb reason he acted like that for that minute, maybe, you know, I always say the same thing. Maybe if you meet him at a different time right. and he's really a nice kid. And maybe when he went home, he felt bad. Maybe he didn't. But, you know, as a business owner now, all the people that were there looked at it and said, wow, you know, you really handled that well. And I'm saying to myself, I didn't really handle anything well. <laughs> he said I handled it well, I guess because I didn't get, like, you know, aggressive. And so it, it carries over because those same customers used to come to my store a lot. And then the ones that didn't, they, they would tell the next person, hey, he's really, you know, decent guy, businessman. And, and that goes back to, you know, how you handle people in some, you know, bad situations, you know, and that's just one of them, of many. You still have that pizza, pizza spot? No, I went out of business because I didn't handle the rest of my customers well. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now we got rid of it right before COVID, thank God. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we sold it back and uh, we got we got rid of it. But uh, I mean, it was a good business, but uh, you know, that business people that are in the food industry know it's a 24-7. Yeah, yeah. It's really not an easy business like people think. What was... Uh... What was like the easiest is so of the illeg illegitimate businesses back in the day? Um, what's the easiest money one? Drugs? Oh, without a doubt, drugs. Really? Just because the margins are crazy. The margins are crazy. When it's you work, so easy. see in business, and and that's good that you you brought that up because in business you look to get into a business where your profit margins are good. Yeah. So obviously, in illegal business, your profit margins are great. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about whether it's a drug business, sports business. Think about this. Let's go back into out of the drug business. We'll talk about the bookmaking business. Yeah. So if you bet a game, one game, and you bet $25, mm -hmm. five-time bet, when you lose, you pay $27.50. So it's $2.50, $2.50. What do you mean? So when, when you bet a game, you bet with me, and you bet what they call five-time bet. Five-time bet is $25. Okay. So when you bet $25, if you win, I pay you $25. If you lose... You got to pay me twenty seven fifty. Oh, because it's the two dollars and fifty cent Vic. It's just right. what they it's, call it's it Vic. Or, or do you guys did you guys do like minus one ten? Well, lines you do. In the yeah, back? you do lines too. Okay. So it's the same thing. It's okay. a line fifty gotcha. for every fifty. It's yeah, fifty yeah, yeah, five dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. So. Okay. So now think about it. At twenty five bucks, you lose two fifty. So if I have and now I want to take this in bigger numbers. So if I have ten people betting, right? Mm -hmm. And they all lose two. They all lose twenty five bucks, and the other guy wins twenty five bucks. Right. I still get two fifty right. on the difference. So you mm -hmm. bet twenty five, you lose. You owe me two fifty. He bets twenty five, he wins. I make two fifty. But now take that numbers by two hundred people. Now you're talking about. It doesn't sound no, like no, a lot of no, money. No. But now you're doing that I mean, day and night. There's a reason why Vegas is Vegas. Right now, casinos don't go out of business for a reason yeah. because of money margins. Now, the same thing in the food business, your money margins aren't that big. You know, it's not like people, you, you are, you're working off small margins, mm -hmm. but what you need is volume. So, you know, yeah. you try to develop a yeah, business yeah. with volume. And then the next business that is very good, and that's the reason why I went into it, was the nightclub and bar business because your, your astronomical numbers in, in liquor. Really? So, oh, you, yeah. you know, you, you get a quart of vodka and you're selling the shot for you know these days you know you can get ten dollars twelve dollars well 20. a drink you can get 20 and 18 and 25 bucks but you get you get about 25 shots out of a bottle the other day i was at a place it was 19 dollars a shot yeah it's a lot of money for a fucking yeah. shot yeah now, you know i own four nightclubs so you know i made a lot of money because now you know the, the bartenders even with the overpouring yeah. even with the yeah, stealing yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does it cost you for yeah. a bottle of vodka? And then you're, you're getting I, 20 It's like these days at, at, like at a club, you could pay $250 for a bottle of Grey Goose that you buy at a, at a liquor store for $40. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now going back to buying it at a liquor store, like you said, but then how about you got guys like yeah, us exactly. that are not <laughs> buying it legitimately. Right. <laughs> We're not buying legit. Yeah. And then, you know, you have a lot of these clubs, for the people that don't know, they water it down. Yeah. They put water in their bottles. Not, you know, a lot of clubs, any legitimate, legitimate place doesn't do that because it kills your business. Yeah. But some of the, like, sh shacky places, they all do it. 
I mean, it's crazy, but it has actually, in a way, it's small. Okay, but to be fair, though, the uh, the club business is fully legal. I mean, maybe some of the ways in which you went about some of the things. Yeah. Of that, well, like, what are, what's an aspect back in the day, of course, um, that you know, or some of like the shady ways that you know. You well, we would make deals with a liquor salesman. So you know, we'll do business. We'll look at sales, and we'll give him kickbacks. He'll get me better prices. He'll steal cases for me. Oh. You know, so when I had the the glass shop, you know, I would get a guy that you know was delivering Safe Flights, a big company, and we used to do business with them. So I would get somebody that you know was delivering glass, and obviously he would get hijacked with his glass. And you know, we kick him the money. We take all his glass, and now we're we're selling glass at you know basically, you know, a hundred and something percent profit margin. Right. And, you know, a little bit. So, you know, those are the deals that, you know, in, in our business. Now, same thing in, a, in the machine business. We used to have in all our bars and nightclubs, joker poker machines. Mm. You know, they pay out. And this, oh, so yeah. there was other Maybe angle. You could rig those. Uh, and I was going to say, you could set it on levels. So, you know, people oh. like when they go to the casino, these machines are set at a certain level. Right, right, right. That's why the casinos are casinos and they don't lose money. I don't get why. I don't like the machines I really don't get. Well, you know what the I big, would never trust you know the what machine. the biggest business in the in the casino business is the machine. Oh yeah, business. it's the machines. I mean, when you walk into a casino, you see like some not because they so can't lose. Save yeah. Oh, they can't. There's no chance. And they lose. and your and your best as a gambler is uh, your best margins are blackjack. Yeah. So you know you get a lot of but you yeah. know black you got to know how you got to know how to play you got to know how to play because you got people you know that, we need to we should go soon. Yeah, we got to get back to the casino. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's for a conversation well, for another yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so I give you, you know, so, so on a business level, you know, we'll go into my parking company because okay. I had parking company. And I would go to a, a restaurant, right? And you would try to manipulate that owner into doing it. He's going to say, listen, people are paying $200 as a couple to come to my restaurant. I don't want to have to charge them for, for the parking. Right. So you you would try to convince gotcha. him into, and and here's my sales pitch to a guy that has a restaurant. I'm going to say, listen, let, let's use a nightclub because it's better. When a guy comes to to your club and you don't have valet parking, and it's pouring out, and he doesn't want to park his car down on the other side if he comes late, he might not ever come to your club. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose a customer you don't know about. If girls come to your club, yeah. and they don't want to come and be harassed in a parking lot when they're dressed in you know, dressed up and they look good and whatever. They don't want guys to bother them in the parking lot. When a guy comes with his girlfriend and he wants to show off and he pulls up with a Mercedes or a Lamborghini, he wants his car up front. He wants his girl to be impressed and he wants to leave it right up front. And he doesn't want to walk through the parking lot. And then when there's older people, they don't want to be able to, because a lot of them can't walk or they got back problems, or hip problems. So, so it's an easy sell to go to a club owner and say, do you know how much money you're losing that you don't know what you're losing? And he's going to say, well, you know, people don't like change. But this is how you sell him. You tell him, listen, give me 25% of your lot just for valet parking. And as soon as it's raining and they have a bad rainstorm is the first day you tell him everybody loves valet. Yeah. <laughs> because now, you, yeah. you know, they're not getting soaked. They come in. You have that champagne drinker that when he pulls up, he's in a VIP spot and he's the guy that spent spending, he's drinking Cristal at your club and he's spending more money than you got 40 people spending. Yeah. And then the club owner gets used to it. Then you ask him for half the lot. And and even as a as a parking company, I, I never liked taking the whole lot for, for valet mm. because you want to leave an option to the people that really don't right, want right. it for a lot of reasons. Some people are cheap. But some people don't like anybody in their car. Some people yeah, don't I trust, and they think people are going to steal what's in their car, inside the car. And, and for those reasons, it is true, too. So it's good to you have an option. People, you trust the people in your car? No. Yeah, no, I mean, And I'm an owner of, of parking companies. <laughs> and, and a lot of well, times— Well, I feel like you, it was in your car back in the day. You, you don't want anybody. No, <laughs> well, you know, in my car. <laughs> it was like James Bond. I had to touch to get something, and it was something in there that you shouldn't yeah. touch. You know, so yeah, it just yeah, you had a bunch depends. of bad shit. But yeah, wow, interesting. We used to have a guy that actually would make us a drop spot in the car. And the cops know this stuff. We all did it, especially oh, really? yeah. Well, we'd have spots where we could put guns and drugs and where where usually know. were those? So we had a couple different ones. We'd have one under the side, on, depending on the car. But we would have it up like the old cars used to have that little hump in the front of your of your car. 
So we used to have it dug into there. Cut. They would cut something in. Like and, over your, like over No, your it's in between the passenger oh. and the driver. And then the other one would be underneath the rug on the front of your oh, driver's right. side. I feel like that's a common one. Yeah, yeah, that's common. And so. Then you had them on the door slots. You know, they used to open up the door panel and there was a way to get into the door panel and put. So you'd have weapons there or, or drugs. So, so then, so when you get, so like when you would get a new car, you would then take it to a, a specific guy who knew it. Well, our friend did it, yeah. Interesting. It wasn't a specific guy because if it was a specific, he might give you up and yeah. pull out, say, "Well, here's this thing." And so, like in in your like in your main car, say, how many little drop spots do you have? No, just one. Just one. But you would keep, you know, like when we were moving around, especially when we were moving with drugs. Yeah. You know, it was good. To how have much could it. you? How much could you keep in there? Well, it was big enough, to, I guess, to hold a key or two and a, and a gun or two. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, a lot of guys, when they're traveling across state, they put it in, there were so many places they put it. Put it in a wheel well. They put it in, within somewhere in, inside the trunk. They would, they would do something. You know, I didn't do any of that stuff. Did you ever have any interactions when you had, uh, like, a lot of, actually, you told me the other day, um, like, like when, you ha when you would have a lot mm -hmm. of drugs on you, um, your worst interactions with the police, that must be stressful. Well... I used to take a taxi a lot, right. you know, and, and that actually I got. This is interesting because you told me this off air. So, yeah, right. We talked about this the other day. <laughs> so instead of driving my own car, if say I had a 10 key delivery, right, and it was to one of my guys. And just for people out there, 10 keys. So at the time, a key is like what? Well, back when I'm talking, I'm like 40, 44,000 a key. So that's like how much an equivalent today would be like. Oh, you know, you, back then you're talking, it's, you know, it's 400 and something, 450,000. And then when you cut it, it's like, you know, near a million dollars. So that's, you could be, so if you have about 10 keys, you could have close to all said and done, like about $10 million equivalent today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're traveling with in a little taxi cab. Yeah, equivalent. <laughs> you're not, well, you're, you must be stressed when you're traveling with that. Well, thing. you're still a little bit, but here's the thing. You, you, you're calling a taxi. You're putting a bag on the floor, right? Now, the, a cop told me to do this, yeah. you know, so... <laughs> And, you know, the cop that used to work with me. And, he, and the reason why is because say they do catch you and say your print is on the bag. All you got to say is, yeah, I was in a guy's taxi. It was by my feet. I touched the bag to move it over. And I looked, yeah, I was curious to see what was in it. To I be fair, I don't think they it. would believe you looking at you. Well, and... <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's it, yeah, as no, a defense. I know what you mean. Yeah, legally. As a defense legally, your lawyer can use this and say, yeah, his hands are on it because he was like, wow, what the hell is this? And I started, you know, you, you touched it. So now if, even if your fingerprints are on it, but say they pull the cab over and they ask, what that is, it ain't mine. You know, how do they say it's yours? Unless they had an investigation, they were following you and they seen everything. Probably. So you would take taxis frequently to, All to the do time that? When I did deliveries. When, now, I, when I had hands on, I hardly had hands on. Would you, would you ever like, this might be a stupid question, but like change taxis in case like you felt I thought like, you were gonna say, would you ever use any of the No. <laughs> yeah, once in a while. <laughs> a little tight, take a little bump for you guys out to use. Yeah, everybody knows how that goes. Um, but would you ever have to like change taxis or change like to no. No, no, no. I would take I I'd actually when I did take a taxi, I wouldn't take yellow taxi like anybody thinks. We used to have like back then we had uh, blue lane. Blue Lane was our neighborhood uh, taxi company. So I'd call them. They all knew me. And I'd take them to wherever I was going. I'd make them wait. You know, oh, so I'd yeah. go. I'd come back. And they, I'd keep the same guy. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. trust them, man. Well, they didn't know what I was doing. But they might have an idea. It didn't matter. You know, there was, you know, guys that knew us. Wow. So you would say, so in order of, like, the most profitable, illegitimate business, drugs, Bookkeeping. Drug, the most profitable <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, drugs, obviously. Drugs, and I'm going to tell you something. The most profitable legal business is the parking industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about this. This is a business. Crazy. No matter where you're going, can't give too many. Seats. People got to park their car. We got to do this. I know that. We got. We got. And and I'm going to tell you. Here's another thing I used to do. You go to a good nightclub, yeah. and they have a parking company, and you know whatever the parking company's doing. If it's not a big company, you go talk to the owner. You try to get to know the owner mm -hmm. before you sell. You know, and this is back to legitimate business now. Before you sell, pitch a guy to do business with him. You're better off. Example: Go to the bar, go to his bar, mm -hmm. drink in his bar for a couple yeah. of months. Let him know you get to know him, talk to him, get around with him, get a, a relationship with him. Once you get a relationship with him. 
You could tell them, hey, how's your parking company? You happy with them? They go, yeah. When you're not happy, let me know. First pitch. You never close a guy on the first pitch. For people that are in the sales industry, they know. The first one's the cold call. That's by hanging out there. The second one is is the pitch, like I just gave him. If you're not happy, here's the thing. Right. Now you close the deal. Whether he calls you or not, after the third, now you go back again and you say, how's things with the guy? You still happy with him? Yeah, I'm happy with him, blah, blah, blah. Now you try to close him and tell him, listen. Yeah, how do you make him not happy with him? No, you, well, you, we're not at that point yet, okay, but okay. we're at another point. <laughs> so now what we're going to do is we're going to take him and, and I'm going to pay attention to how much money they're making. So I'm going to send one of the guys that work for me. I said, go outside and count cars for me. So they'll click on a Friday, on a Saturday. On, you know, we'll put some time into it. And I'll get an amount of cars. Say they're parking 200 cars and they're charging. You know, it depends on when I, you know, I had my business at the beginning. We only charged $3 a car. Then we had it up to $10 a car, $15 a car. Like Tennessee, I was in, in Tennessee. We were charging $25 a car. Believe it or not, the valet parking business in Tennessee is, is just as big as New York. How'd you get to Tennessee? We were in six different states. So we were expanding all over. But what I'll tell the owner is once I get a car count, I'll tell him, listen, obviously it's not legal. I, I don't think it is, <laughs> but it's definitely a gray area. I go to the owner and I'd say it was you. And I'd say, you know, listen, I really want this account. Now you know, you know me, so we're just talking regular. And he's like, John, I like the guy. He's a good guy. He's a good kid. I go, forget all that. I'll give you 50000 cash. I'll give it to you up front. Give me the account. I says, then next year we'll talk about it. Plus, I'll give you a percentage of the, of the uh, let me run the business. Give me 90 days. Let me see how much. You know, I already know the numbers. I just tell them yeah. that. It is 50000 up front. Give me 90 days. And then I'll give you a percentage of whatever I'm making a week. We'll work out a number. And, you know, most club owners would tell you I want say 5,000 a month. Mm -hmm. You never say yes to that. Because just in case you're having a bad month, you tell them, listen, I'm not in the nightclub business. I'm in the car business. I'll give you per car. So if I'm if it's 500 cars, I'll give you a dollar amount per car. Mm -hmm. But I'm never going to give you an amount that's unforeseen right, because right, right. maybe I had a bad month. Maybe it rained all day. Maybe it snowed. Maybe you had a fire in a place. Now I own right. the money. Right. So these are that's some good of the business techniques. Advice. Now, the next thing you would do is you know, you go to these townships and find out who just got a permit to build a club somewhere. Right. When they do get it, I'm giving everybody advice in the car, car business. When, when you get that information from, you know, from the township, now you go around to everything that's existing in the area right. of parking lots that are open, open pieces of land, and you go lease them. So now that club owner's got to come to you because he's going to find out who lease, who owns the lease on this property. Mm. And he's going to find out it's me. Now you're in the driver's side. So now he's got uh, to come to me and say, hey, I, you know, can I lease this property? I'm like, no. And he goes, yeah, well, you know, he's going to try to convince me because he's got a nightclub. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm in the parking business. And he's like, oh, you're in the parking business? Thinking that I just had to lease. Meanwhile, we already did it because of that. So, you know, you're controlling the industry. Mm. And while you're sleeping... All your lots are making you money. Yeah. So passive income is the best income you can get. We both know that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anybody looking to make money without going to work, there's a guy that's a billionaire. He does talks. I forget his name. And he talks about, I work 70 hours a week without going to work. And this is what he talks about. Uh, businesses like this. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, so you would say in order though, drugs, parking, more profitable than bookkeeping? Bookmaking, bookmaking's a great business. Uh, all the seasons I had, and, and, and you know, for the people that know sports business, I had about 120 or 130 customers on an average every season. Out of 100, you know, when guys are playing suckers, I'm talking yeah. guys that just regular every day, not handicappers. There's some sharp yeah, guys yeah. that could beat you yeah. if, if your points aren't right. In other words, you get a line out of Vegas, you got to be on top of your mm -hmm. line. The line moves sometimes yeah, with the action. So they can beat you. But if you're sharp, then they're not beating you. But out of 120 guys, trust me, I'm beating 118 guys, 110 guys, 105 guys. A couple guys are going to beat me, but they're not only betting with me. They're betting with other bookmakers, and they're yeah. going to be losing with them. And I'm talking about the, just the regular we call suckers. Now, the sharp guys, yeah, no, yeah they, they'll, they'll bet college basketball is a, is a, yeah, a sport where they can The break. lines move crazy. They can kill you there yeah. if, if they're sharp. Yeah. And, you know, so you have some shop guys, 
And by the way, there's a guy, for the people that don't know, there's a guy, John Massa, who is, he, he gives picks of the week. He's on YouTube. So this is a guy that grew up in my neighborhood, uh, really sharp, sharp when it comes to the sports business. His father was in the sports business. He knows the sports business in and out. And he does a YouTube now uh, giving advice on games. He gives, I think, two or three picks. And the next day he'll review his picks. And uh, he's a guy, if somebody's betting, is gambling, actually you should do that and, and, and follow his, uh, his YouTube and, and, and see how you do and see how he does for you. But I'm telling you personally, I know him since he's a kid and uh, he knows the business. He's really a sharp handicapper. Did you ever have any uh, casinos? No, I didn't have, we, had a, we always had games. We had dice games. We had, you know, so we had different, you know, obviously we ran. Uh, how hard do you think it is to open a casino? Uh, underground, like we did. Anthony Ruggiano used to run them all. For people that don't know, Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony and, and by the way, we, we're all in a different, you know, you, you guys know we tell these stories, but, you know, Anthony's been helping addicts and uh, alcoholics and, uh, you know, any people that need help for 30 years. He's got a track record of doing the right thing and Robert Engels, and hopefully I'm on the same path for the last eight, nine years. And, you know, I hate the negative stuff. And, you know, people are going to always attack. And that's just life. You got haters and, and things like that. And we got people that, you know, want to do stuff positive. So hopefully uh, the people that are listening is uh, you guys are uh, on the same message of doing positive things for positive people. I mean, it, listen, some of the stuff is good stories. You know, for me too, we all yeah. laugh about it. But uh, on a positive note, really, I wish that people that are listening to us, listen to this stuff and take the negative street stuff and put it into legitimate business. Yeah. Because I want to tell you something. I say it all the time. I go to jail and I met guys like Joe McGee. He was an, he was an Aryan brother, right? Changed his life, whatever he did, cooperated. He was one of the most intelligent guys. Like if I had to survive on a desert island, I'd be dead because I can't figure nothing out. I'm not handy. This guy was doing everything with electronics, with, with wood carving, with, I mean, just amazing. You know, he was a little, sorry, Joe, if you're listening, you're a little bit of a bunk, but, <laughs> but very, very smart. You know, very smart guy. Interesting. And you wouldn't know it by looking at him because he looks like a thug. You know, he looks like a street guy, and, but, but smart. Me, I, I look like I might be a little intelligent, <laughs> but I'm dumb as a stump. <laughs> you, uh, so, so then how many, like, are you doing all these illegitimate businesses at the same time generally? Yeah. When I got, when I got prosecuted, one thing I got to give credit to, uh, the prosecutor <laughs> and he's pretty smart. <laughs> Jay Tresman, I'm giving you a lot of props. So when him and Ellie Hornig, a couple of these guys were prosecuted. Ellie Hornig was your, was prosecuted you? Was involved in one of the cases. Wait, yeah. is that the one that's, um, is he on CNN now? Oh, you, uh, you don't watch CNN. I forgot. <laughs> don't make me say what I want to say. No, no, no. No, no, I won't. Listen, Ellie, I think Ellie Hornig is. He was a prosecutor, and then I think he got involved with CNN. Honig? That's him. H-O-N-I-G? Yeah, yeah. Wait, that's so funny, because he popped up on, like, I, some... All right, I'll, uh, yeah, tell me. Now that I, you got I, into this, if, if it's the same guy. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to pull this up. Let me see his picture, and then I'll know. This is funny. So somebody just... This guy. Can we make that bigger? Yeah, yeah, I forgot. We need to make that big I, my eyes. I forgot you're old. Hold on. This guy. Oh yeah, that's Ellie. Wait, so so he was on your case? He actually was one of the prosecutors. On, on, I wanted on, to get him on my on, show because because he was case. saying something about interesting about like criminal defense uh, that I heard heard him in a talk or a podcast or something. Oh, he's a really smart guy. So he knows you. Yeah, he oh, knows let's get him good. on the show. Well, I'm gonna t let me tell you something. Cause he's out of New York. Uh, well, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, yeah. There's his phone number right here. Let's ask him. Oh, I'm gonna call him. <laughs> we'll call him after. We, should, we gotta call him live on the show. Oh, wait, no, we That's can't good. do that because then he'll, he'll come out. No, he, no, he, no. <laughs> he'll sue us. No, he, no, he won't. He's great. He's a great guy. No, he, he, actually, he is. He seems like. But I'm gonna guy. tell you how he met me too. Okay. A lot of these prosecutors That's meet so me, funny. and I'm, you know, that they come after me and they're talking about murders I did or shootings or this and that. And he says to me while we're talking, right? Obviously, I'm stressed out. I'm emotional. Whatever. And uh, he says, you know what's funny? After he starts talking to me, he goes, a guy I know, a really good guy, a close friend of his, knows me very well. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, you know how he knows? He's, he said that you were a nice guy. 
And I go, I hope he didn't tell him about all this other stuff I'm doing. Anyway, we joked a little. He goes, you know, really? He goes, you were a baseball coach and you used to coach his son. And, you know, so I was. So this is Ellie telling you this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we're talking from, you know, obviously we're discussing my criminality. Yeah. And then we, he said, you know, after a couple of days of talking to him, my friend knew you very well from Cherry Hill. Oh, I wish Josh was here. Wow. From Cherry Hill, because I used to coach and help coach a team. You know, and one of the kids that I was coaching, he he couldn't hit, right? And I knew he had talent, but he, he couldn't hit. So I started working with him, and, you know, I talked to the father and the mother, and I said to him, just give me a couple of days with him. So the coach, that the head coach, he had to go on vacation or something. I don't know what happened. He didn't know. And he used to bat the guy, and he wouldn't start him, and he bat him like seventh or eighth and, you know, whatever. So I go talk to the kid, and I go, I know you're good. I, I know you can hit. You know, he's a big kid, a little heavy, but big kid. And I said, you're going to be my number four hitter. Yeah. <laughs> so now the confidence of yeah, he's yeah. the number four hitter, right? So, he, you know, that I start him. And by the first week, he, he, he hit the ball a little bit. The second week, he creamed the ball. Really? And, you know, they was asking me, like, would you do it with him? I can't understand. And it's back to what I said about business, just confidence. Yeah. I gave him confidence to know that he can do it. Because before that, he just believed he couldn't do it. So the confidence is, is everything. Yeah, no, it is, 100%. And, you know, when we're talking about all these, like, you know, I get so many negative messages. People can't believe that, can you? <laughs> I get so many negative messages. But really, I get so many, so yeah, many yeah, more yeah, positive yeah. ones. Yeah. And the ones that I get, the positive ones, are the ones that help me to keep doing what I'm doing because right. they thank me for helping them. Whether, whether it's with a drug problem, whatever, whether it's about, you know, having faith or, or whatever it is, confidence in business or, you know, knowing that they can restart their life after having it so screwed up. And there's so many people out there that don't want to see you restart your life. Mm -hmm. and, and the biggest thing, and again, I'm going to relate it to business, is t you can fail a hundred times. Right. It's the person that tries the hundred first time mm -hmm. is it becomes a yeah. success, success story. So I did fail at some things, but overall I won't quit. So I'll do another book and then I'll right. do another book and then I'll do this, but I'm not going to quit. And then, you know, sometimes people try everything on their power to make you stop. And the person that doesn't stop, that quitter, that guy that's not a quitter becomes the winner. And that billionaire guy I was talking about, this is what he talks about. Yeah. So, you know, when you hear a lot of people talk, like, like Joel Olstein, I don't really yeah, listen oh to him too God. much. That's got to be the biggest fraud under the sun, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, I, don't, I don't listen. That's organized crime. But I'm not going to talk. <laughs> don't sue him, not <laughs> me. I didn't say it. I'm not saying anything about the religion itself. No, I'm no, saying no. the guy. No, but I'm going to tell you something he does say. This is one thing I did take okay. out of one of the things he said. He said the reason why the rearview mirror is so small is because it's in the past. The, the the reason why your windshield is so big because you're going forward. Yeah. So it, it really is smart. No, thing. It's, it has nothing to do with religion. I don't know where he got that from. It, Maybe well, it's it was him. really smart. No, no he it is said smart. it. And I don't listen to him. I turned it on one day. I heard the guy talk, and I'm thinking, man, I, this guy is really good at conning people. <laughs> but I don't know if he does it, does it, because I don't listen to the guy. He, you said no. that. <laughs> I'm ratting you out. I'm already a rat, so I'm ratting him out. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> no, I think, I mean, look. You're yeah, too look. young to have a lot of money. Don't worry, he can't sue you for much. <laughs> so, so, but he, it was one of a really smart comment, though, right? No, it is. Because the windshield is, is really huge. So I got so many good people that tell me all the time when the haters are, are bothering me. Hey, John, I hope that doesn't yeah, bother you. Because yeah. they're trying to get at you, to, you know, thing. Right. I hope you just keep going forward. And really, that is the message. Yeah. Like, you know, when someone says, you know, I'm down and out, you know, and, oh, by the way, too, a very good kid just passed away, Frankie, from, from my neighborhood in Howard Beach. And he, I really felt bad for this kid, but he'd been struggling for a while. And uh, on Christmas, that just passed, his, if his girlfriend hears this, she knows this. He called and he didn't have money for his insurance. And I tried to help him out with a couple of bucks for insurance. And... He was crying, and he and he and he, he listened, and really, the, and he called me Uncle John, and and it wasn't a couple hundred dollars. It was the fact that that kid, you know, when people struggle and people don't understand, and people are picking, he was a strong kid. People are picking on him and making mm -hmm. fun of him because you know he had some ADD issues and different th things, 
and nobody would help him. Mm -hmm. That guy did not forget that couple of bucks I gave him to pay his car insurance. Yeah. He just called me on a regular and got in touch with me and he just passed away. And I don't know if he OD'd or if it was something else, but my condolences to him. And, and if there's anybody out there that really loves this kid, because I didn't think there was too many people, mm -hmm. he had a lot of issues. And I just want to say a lot of prayer and condolence for him, really. And, you know, we're joking around about, you know, while we're talking about this, yeah. but he's one of those kids that I do this for. Yeah. That hopefully, although that I maybe gave him a little happiness in his life, that he really struggled. And there's so many people out there struggling, and, mm -hmm. and, and when we're joking around and we're doing a show, I hope we're reaching them mm -hmm. and not the, not, the, not the dumb people. Yeah, and I mean, like, based on, a, based on how many messages uh, we get, you get, I get, um, you know, I do, I'm quite confident that we're doing, that some people at least are, are getting the right, the right messages from it, um, which is ultimately the most important, you know, and, and I know that you, uh, I mean, you get a lot of messages and I see you answer them. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like same, same thing, you know, I, I guess that's, uh, John obviously has more experience in the, in that department um, and, and ways in which to help. So uh, if anybody ever feel you know always feel free to reach out to us um and we'll uh or he will guide you and uh i'll do whatever i can well, as well you, because you're young i'm old i went through yeah yeah you went through i went through you know people ask you what makes you such an expert pain mm -hmm. suffering that's what makes me an expert yeah well you know when you live life and you've been through so much heartache yeah. you have advice to other people that are going through the same heartache so they don't feel like they're alone yeah. you know because i always say the same thing while we're sitting here it's a beautiful day out today. It is. There's people sitting in jail cells suffering. Tell me how that's worth it. You know, and then well, there's, there's other guys that are living on, they're on the beach today. Yeah. Well, it's funny because even the other day when we were recording um, and you and I were talking after we were walking to my car and I was just like, look, like, yeah, they took away all your money and shit like that. But, you know, right now you're outside and it's a beautiful day and, um, you know, you, you, 10 years ago, you were locked in solitary confinement with four walls around you and only a mail slot that you were being fed meals. So, and you were telling me that like, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll take this over any, like, even if I don't have the money and all that, that I had before, like so much better. You well, know? you know what? Cause God blessed me in different ways that people will never think. Right. And people will say, oh, you know, you, you know, they curse you and this and that. Those same guys that pursued me to lock me up. Mm -hmm. are the same guys that helped me get my life right. So I don't hate them. There's people, oh, you, they put you in jail. You know, you, you could talk about the prosecutor you are just talking about. Those guys are gentlemen that actually, yeah. every way in different ways, they didn't just come knock on my door one day and go, let's pick on this son of a bitch and ruin his life. You know, I'm a realist. These guys were doing their job yeah, yeah. And, and took me off the street because I was doing the wrong yeah. thing. And, and in turn... I actually look up to him. Mm -hmm. And people are like, how can you look up to the guy? Because he's not the guy trying to shoot me back in, in the back of the head. That's who I'm trying to make these kids avoid. Those guys that they think that are their friends out on the street. You know, it's well, a big I think, difference. I think that's also, and, you know, it's not like, <laughs> and for lack of better words, it's not to kiss your ass, but I do think that one of the cool things that I've, and getting to know you, is that, like, you have, like, a, like, almost like a weird amount of respect for people that you never, that, that like technically speaking, you should hate. You know, like these these same prosecutors or people that you that were like trying to lock you up for years. I love whenever you like you're like amazed at how smart they are um, and how much you actually like genuinely like them. Because most people would not expect you to look up to a, a prosecutor who tried to put your ass in solitary confinement. You know what I mean? And I think that that's also like to show you kind of the uh, this. I mean, in 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 your ways, like your growth. Right? Because yeah. there was probably one point in time where you're like, fuck these people. Oh, I hated them. Hate them. But now, you know, you're, you're, you you know, like out. when you're a little kid and your father hits you and you're like, oh, well, she dies. I yeah, hope, yeah. you know, we're grown men saying that about yeah. these guys. It's not like they did anything to us. They didn't just knock on some neighbor's door and go, let's just pick on this guy today. Yeah. You know, so you got to be, but it, it took me a long time to think the way I think. Yeah. You know, when I look at, I'm saying like, when, the, when you get people hating you, I don't want to like those people anyway because they're not living the right way. Right. They're not living in a good life. They're, the only way they live is negative. You know, like some of these people, you know, people think that, you know, when they're writing on, on against us, 
or against me. And I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong with these people to waste their time? Even if they hated me, why would you waste your time every day <laughs> writing that? Like, it's, it's just insane. You know, I'm, I, I did, you know, I just did that show on ESPN, right? The, the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was talking to the, you know, the, the host in Charlotte. Who is the host? In Charlotte. Um, it was like, the, it was the North Carolina ESPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And, and what a nice guy. And, and, and we're talking about, you know, me doing these contracts for whether it's BuzzFeed or mm -hmm. ESPN or, you know, whatever, GQ. My life is completely transformed yeah. to something different. So I look at these people and I'm like, man, I'm glad I made it back to the real world because that's the real world. That yeah. nonsense out on the street is just misery. But I can relate to that, those kids that, that I grew up with. I do get it. But it, hopefully, you know, they can end up not having the pain that I had first without, you know, having the pain then trying to change like I did. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, damn it, you're only, I mean, you're still only, well, still only 58. Um, you still got life. You get it wrong. That. I'm 48. You have, and you're I, getting I, your sorry. numbers wrong. <laughs> And they owe me, you guys, listen, ask Ellie and these guys, they owe me at least 10 years yeah. on the last case. So, <laughs> we, so, we should actually bring him in for real. You know, it's serious. It was like Michael Jackson. He wanted to go on one of those he things was, to stay on ice. He was, uh, I was on ice. So they owe me 10 years. I never went out and did anything. I wasn't drinking or anything. He, he, went, he went to Harvard Law. Oh, he's smart. No, he's a smart bastard. Listen, you smart bastard. <laughs> Come on our show. <laughs> no, we, I'd we, actually, we need I, wanted, you. I wanted to get him on my show because I think he's really interesting. Yeah, really. So we should bring him on ours too. Yeah, yeah. So he, so how much interaction do you actually have with him? It was. Oh, I know him pretty good. I know him a long. When was the last time you saw him? Oh, I haven't seen him in years, but he was. Uh, I believe he became state attorney general at one time too. Really? Yeah, yeah. You got to look it up. Let's see. Uh, honors and awards. Oh. oh, we could look at that after. Yeah, but he's been. Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, that's funny. Hold on. He said before joining. I just read a random line. It said before joining the division of criminal justice, Ellie worked for eight years as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, where he successfully prosecuted more than 100 members and associates of La Cosa Nostra, including bosses and other high-ranking members of the Gambino and Genovese organized crime families. Ellie has tried 15 cases to jury verdict and has argued over 20 cases in the federal appellate courts and the New Jersey Supreme Court. Yeah. So he was big against, uh, against you guys. Prior to joining the firm, Ellie served as the director of of the Department of Law and Public Safety near New Jersey Division of Criminal Justice, where he directed major criminal cases against street gangs, drug, tra drug trafficking, uh, drug trafficking organizations, illegal firearm traffickers, corrupt public officials, child predators, and white collar offenders. Yeah, Ellie, so you know, in a roundabout way, Ellie, you owe me a lot of money, actually. <laughs> I, I lost all my businesses and everything else. Come on. Do me a favor. Come on the show. Well, no, if you say it like that, he's going to think that you're going to come and ask him for all his money. No. He's probably got a lot of it now. I don't know. I don't know. He's in, he he's really a, was a nice he's guy. He's in the right business. He's I, actually I, a really I, nice I, guy. I, I got to tell you, the people I interacted with no, that, I know. that were trying to prosecute me, like I, well, I, I did a talk with another you know, agent years ago in Hackensack. Yeah. He was the boss of, uh, you know, of the uh, Gambino squad. And, I mean, really a gentleman. Very religious, very, you know, well-spoken. I mean, guys, you know, people want to hate on people for no reason. It's crazy. <laughs> but I can't hate a guy. No, they were doing their job. Listen, I always say it. When I get pulled over by a cop, it's going to be my attitude how that happens. Because even if he's, a, a, he's a, a, an aggressive cop, as long as I'm just like, yeah, all right, all right, you know, yeah, it ain't going to elevate. Yeah. So, you know, I I have a new attitude about the way I handle things. Yeah. So it never elevates because I don't let it. So, you know, there was a, there was a, a big Latin uh, cop that pulled me over in the city a couple of years ago. Really aggressive. I thought he was saying hello to me, so I <laughs> waved to him. I, I didn't have my seatbelt on. <laughs> and, and I said, geez, take it easy. And he just, <laughs> I go, I thought you were saying hello because in that area, a lot of people knew me. So he goes, does it look like I want to say hello to you, please? So I pulled over, like, on a sidewalk a little bit that blocked it. And then he went nuts. And then I, I was like, hey, hey you got to ease up on those steroids. And then he got even crazier because he was jacked up. Oh, yeah. He was big. If you say so, that, you're going to Oh, yeah, yeah. I did trigger him. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, then I caught myself. And I go, all right, all right. Just give me the ticket. He goes, yeah, I'm going to give you the ticket. And he kept getting more aggressive. I go, it's only a ticket. Relax. I, I go on. 
So anyway, he just was, you know, but then at the end, he was okay because yeah. I, you know, I calmed it. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? You ain't getting nowhere with this. I'm getting the ticket. I really didn't have the seatbelt on. I I was pulling that out. That was the ticket? No. Huh? Was a seatbelt? It was just a seatbelt. Oh, my God. But he, he went like this to me. I thought he was saying hello. So I, <laughs> I, I wave, and he's chasing me on foot because he thought I was trying to get away. I started laughing. Another time I got pulled out. Here's another funny story. When I first come home, I got Frank Sinatra on. I got my convertible top down, and uh, I'm in a BMW convertible. And the light must have changed. So the, so the cops, like, puts the sirens on. So I'm like, what the fuck is he putting a siren on for? I look, and it's a red light. So I go, I wonder why he's pulling me over. So I pull over, and he goes, what's your fucking problem? So I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, the light changed. So I go, obviously, I was daydreaming. I didn't see it. I just got out of jail. So, you know, it was a nice day. My son was playing baseball. I just came from his baseball game, my son, Matthew. So he goes, uh, so you don't pay attention to the light? <laughs> I'm like, hey, relax, it ain't that bad. I'm so happy I'm out of jail. I don't care about nothing. Frank Sinatra's on playing. You're probably just looking all over happy uh, as well. My way he's playing, it's sunny out. <laughs> this guy could have clubbed me, I wasn't gonna say nothing. So he goes, well, I'm giving you a ticket for obstructing traffic. I think that's what he gave me a ticket for. And I'm like, geez, oh my God. after murder of fucking traffic's go ahead, go ahead, give it to me. I was happy for the ticket. All right, you have a great day. I'm going to think it to myself. <laughs> I'm having the best day of my life. I don't give a shit what you're going to give me a ticket for. As wow. long as you're not locking me up That's again. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, they're funny stories, really. That's so funny. I'm go going back to business real quick. What? Because I'm curious, I didn't ask you. What are the... Uh, of like the failed businesses, or some of like the ones that you thought would work but just didn't. When I depended on somebody else, honestly, any business I ever opened myself was always successful. I never failed on one business that I was yeah. running myself. But anytime mm. you take a little lazy route yeah. and you and you depend on somebody else and they control your destiny is a big mistake in anybody that's opening business. So that guy that doesn't want to be at that place doesn't want to be. Listen, yeah, even when I had the pizza place, here's another funny story. Because you know all, all the Albanians know me and, the, you know, whatever. So four Albanian guys are eating at, at my restaurant, and I went to clean up. And they were like, no, 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 you can't, you, you know, because it's me. Mm -hmm. No, we'll do it. I go, this is my restaurant. I like doing it. I mm -hmm. like cleaning up. It keeps me busy. I'm not one of those guys that won't sweep floors and everything. Right. I'll get bored just sitting there. Yeah. So anyway, after the, I'm done with them, I'm walking in the street and I'm delivering three, three, three pies. And so a guy pulls alongside me. He's, oh my God, John, do you need a ride? No, he goes, no, John, do you need a ride? And I, he thought I was going home, I guess, or something. And I go, no, I'm going to deliver pizza. And he goes, oh my God, yes. I'll deliver it. Don't deliver it. You know, he's making it. I go, no, I want to deliver it. Some people might be petrified if you show up to their house. Hey, for it's pizza. so funny the way the reaction is yeah. because there's nothing wrong with delivering right. the pizza. It's back it's to humility. Ego and ego. You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, if without working hard, mm -hmm. you're not gonna make money. Yeah. But by working hard and delivering pizza and going to restaurant depot and Costco, I used to hate going to to oh, to, yeah. to uh two things I hated. <laughs> Costco, you better bring a gun with you because those women are dangerous in there. Those old ladies will run you down. They got lines and they're like, yeah, I was here first. You know when you're trying to merge in a trap? Yeah. You try to merge no, in when, no, you it's chaos when your food calls. Yeah. <laughs> they will attack you. I oh die laughing. That's uh, so funny. Yeah, yeah. When they used to send me to Costco. They used to have samples back then too. Samples of white I, coke. I <laughs> <laughs> of the food at Costco. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it hasn't changed in 50 years. No, no. I had to, you know, we had to get corporate card. I went oh, in yeah. there like a big shot. I had the black corporate card. Some old lady would be beep, beep. <laughs> you know, you're taking too long in this section. <laughs> I used to die to aggressive. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't in no hurry. That's <laughs> wow. some funny stories. But you also, I mean, this is also what you were telling me is when you first got out, you, uh, well, going back to ego, you were like sweeping floors, right? You were like cleaning toilets? No. <laughs> Stop making it worse than it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, 
I got this guy. You owned like. I swear to God, did you, you, you? Wait, you never did that. Yeah, I've tried. Yeah, I've done. <laughs> unfortunately, yes. I, yeah, I feel like I, I'm I mixing up two stories. No, no, no. I did clean apartments. So oh, you clean apartments? That's yeah. What, it was. what happened <laughs> was the, the guy met me. He uh, knew. He knew who I was. I didn't know him. We yeah. weren't friends. But he had like 110 apartments. Yeah. So he asked me. He goes, "Listen, when people move in and out of my apartment." He says, you want to get involved cleaning the apartments yeah. and then wait for the moving trucks to come and, you know, because people leave all kinds of stuff there. And then he has a team of people that repaint. And I said, yeah, I mean, what was I going to do for a living? So on top of that, I would go to like people's houses that were supposed to be leaving, get a time frame, get a check. So I go to this one. It was another. These are some <laughs> funny stories. He sends me to some woman's house. Who's he, I, he didn't tell me to have in trouble. So I knock on a door and she starts threatening me. I says, I mean, I won't say the guy's name, the landlord, because I don't want to get him in trouble. So he says, I said, so-and-so sent me here because you're supposed to be moving. She went nuts. I'll send my husband out here. You threatening me. And I'm like, I'm not threatening anybody. I'm just cleaning out apartments. Uh, so, but this oh is what God. I did for a living when I came. Yeah. And then I was driving another guy around. Part? Uh, I don't know, about a year, I guess. And then I was driving a guy around. Yeah. I did that every day. And <laughs> that was worse. Really? Oh, my God. That so was you're just so... waiting the whole time, right? No, no, forget about waiting. The guy knew me from my past. Yeah. So he thought he had Luca Bratz yeah. driving him around. <laughs> and I'm saying, this guy's going to get me into trouble. I'm driving. Oh, funny He's probably shit. excited. He thinks I, he's listen, safe I, now. I, listen, I've done every job. Listen, I used to work in gas station when I was young. So I did yeah. things, you know, I, yeah, everybody yeah. thinks I just became this big drug deal. I worked in delicatessens. <laughs> I delivered, you know, newspapers. I did everything. I would work the courier service. So I did some funny shit too. You know, it was funny. I mean, I, oh, I did every, I did a gas station there. I got abused so bad when I was, <laughs> I was in California. I guess I just took all the money and I left. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's beeping me and he goes, bring back my money. <laughs> I said, it's my severance pay. <laughs> he, he called my uncle because I live oh, with my man. uncle. My uncle gave me some beating. Uh, <laughs> and my uncle was rough. He was, did you take his money? I go, he was, he was abusing me. Uh, oh, how old are you? Uh, 19. Oh, my God. That's when I first, my father threw <laughs> me out of New York pay. to try to get me out of trouble. Oh, right. So my, I was going to school and I was trying to get, get my life right and go, that didn't work out too well. Oh, my God. And then I got locked up there like four times. Hey, I got to say hello to Bob Cast got Bob Costanza, who's my uh, college buddy. It's his birthday the other day. And, of course, Tony, my brother, he's, uh, he's in Connecticut now. We all grew up together in, in California, went okay. to school. They seen me get into some shit there. They'll tell stories. How? I got locked up. Like, I don't know how many really? times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like tried to straighten me out in New York. I went there. I kept getting in trouble. Just yeah. a few days, like a few little stints. Yeah, yeah, just a few stints. One guy that I, I, I think we talked about this. I kicked him in the face. And, and Tony's got to give me his name nice. again. And, you know what? He, he beat up, him and his friends beat up me and Bob. Beat oh. the shit out of Bob really bad. Anyway, uh, over nonsense. But they were jacked up, strong guys. So afterwards, he, he got pulled over. Mm. Like an hour later, I was steaming. I wanted to get the guy. <laughs> and we just happened to be driving past him on Lions Avenue. And he's on the wall and he's handcuffed. So I says to Bob, pull over. Oh, I think I was driving. And I pulled over. They go, where you going? I go, there he is. I forget his name. Tony's got to tell me his name. And I, I walk up to him. The cops got him. I walk up to him. And I never kicked no. I don't know nothing about kicking anybody. I kicked him in the face. And but the cops were there? The cops were there. So they let him go and lock me up. <laughs> and then he told Tony, thank God. You know, I thought the guy's going to hate me since we're kids. Like, I got no hard feeling. We were kids. So the guy's like, tell John. I said, hello. Thank God for him. He goes, I had an ounce of coke in my car. <laughs> if they would have searched my car, I was oh going to jail. God. Yeah, I, I, I saved him. And you owe me money, too. <laughs> Why don't I? <laughs> Yeah. That wasn't too bright, though. Why'd you kick him in the face with the cops right there? I wasn't too bright. Look at my whole life. I wasn't too bright. <laughs> if I was too bright, I wouldn't have been in jail so much. <laughs> I, I get awards for not being bright. I admit it. Oh, um, my God. That's so funny. So yeah. how long were you in California for? Uh, about a year. Where but in, then I went back and forth. L.A.? L.A., Saugus, uh, Valencia. Uh, I was all over. San Fernando Valley. Then I used to go back all the time to see these guys. <laughs> and I go visit them, and you know whatever. And you were just and then there. I came. Well, I came back later on, uh, successful. Right. You know, I'm pulling up in limousines and I'm drugged there before that. I didn't have two cents. Yeah. So you know, I went back like a kid, you know, with an ego showing off. Right. 
Then I made it. You know, I'm trying to show them I made it. My girlfriend at the time, you know, come from, you know, money family. She had a beautiful house and pool and, you know, and I came back showing off. I stayed in a hotel, Leah Mataj, you know, at, at a, you know, it was a, a townhouse, uh, not a townhouse, two floor uh, a hotel apartment. You know, all big shots stayed there. Pavarotti. I, Pavarotti was my next one neighbor. I didn't wow. know who he was at the time. I invited him for a party. He giggled at me. And, you know, I told him, you want to come over? Because I was throwing a party at all Cristal. He left. Later on, I found out who I was. I was an, I'm an idiot, you know, young kid dummy. But but I stayed there. It cost me 2500 a night, I believe, at that time. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking I didn't care. I was showing off. You know, I was a young kid trying to show off that I was successful. Meanwhile, all the busboys tell me, you know, the busboys are young. So they're like, everybody knows you're a drug dealer. <laughs> I go, you, yeah. It's how stupid I was. I go, yeah, like, like how are you supposed to fool them? I'm 20, 21 years old at the time. You know, so. Wow. Yeah. How much money do you think you had when you were 20, 21? I started making money. I don't know. I spent it so fast. Though. I was like, yeah. you know, just as I was making it, I was spending it. I was showing off and I'm crystal and girls and cars and, you know, just stupid. When you go to California. What do you think I was cleaning houses <laughs> when I came home for? <laughs> um, would you fly to LA? Because I know you don't like to yeah, fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to fly there. You didn't like to fly back then either. I mean, I fly to Europe. Now I'm going to, you know, I'm going, you know, I'm going to I know, film. I know you do. I mean, I got no choice because I won't, <laughs> I won't get there that way. I take a boat. I take a cruise. Uh, yeah, I fly. I mean, I don't, I'm not the greatest guy with flying, but I fly. I mean, I don't like going. I got to have room. So I'll fly business class wherever I go because I got to move around. I can't stand yeah. being stagnant. And then whoever sitting next to me will want to yeah. fucking kill me. Because I won't sit still. I'll get up a hundred times saying, excuse me. You you flying to uh to Europe business? Yeah, we're going to film. Me uh yeah, business class again. There you go. Yeah. Some good treatment. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's good for for this episode. This was uh quite fun. Yeah, we need Chris Chaos. Yeah, yeah Chrissy Chaos is gonna Chris, come. Chris, when you come back, you come back. Chris Stefano. And you could you could start abusing me again, and yeah. I like your jokes. It's all right. No, we have. And we uh, got a baseball bat for you, Chris. <laughs> uh, that is true, and we have. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're gonna. Well, I guess spoiler alert: we're gonna have Chris DeStefano, fantastic comedian. John was on his show, Chrissy Chaos. Go check that out. Um, we're supposed to have TT Jerry when we're, my boy TT. I want TT back. Your girl, my girl, your girl. Well, that's between me and him. <laughs> that's not your. Say, well, we're say. gonna edit that one out. Your girl TT Jerry is coming back on the show as well so we're gonna have tt we're gonna have chrissy d we're gonna have maybe homeless pimp will make an appearance i hear he wants to come tt's in. funny i gotta say T. T. and is, almost and, uh, almost homeless pimp, pimp is, is very funny, funny too. too smart smart they're smart good fellow. guys really smart fellow. Aside. um and i'm still after sal from uh oh yeah from impractical well, gonna, joke um, sal we're, we're, we're gonna see you we're gonna come at you in a you different you way. you we're gonna come at you in a different <laughs> way sal <laughs> So yeah, we're looking forward to to having Chris on the show in uh, sometime in September. Um, but in the meantime, you and I are out to Europe in different places, and then uh, we'll be back. But anyways, signing out, signing out, JohnnyLate.com. This book that's been sitting here that you've been looking at for about an hour, and I know you really want to go buy it. So go get it, JohnnyLate.com. He'll even sign it. He'll personalize it for you because he's that much of a nice guy now. And uh, and he's got a whole <laughs> lot of other good stuff on the site, JohnnyLate.com. I'm Felix Levine, at Felix.Levine on Instagram. My YouTube channel, I have interviews with this guy. I have interviews with a lot of other people. Um, go subscribe to that. That would mean the world. You are at True John A. Light on Instagram. And Patreon. Please join the Patreon. It is, uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. Uh, people are starting to really enjoy those call-ins. Um, and we're starting to really try to get to know those people on the Patreon and, you know, know them by first name. And, you know, I guess as we continue to have those live caller Call-ins, they call in multiple times. We get to know them. Uh, we get to know a little bit about their story. Um, we have some cool fans from all over the country, all over the world, um, you know. Hey, and you know what? Seriously, for Patreon, the you know, the people that called in on our last one, mm -hmm. and I said something, and I really mean it. For the people out there that had some troubles in their life or over, trying to overcome something in jails, I want you guys to call in because you guys are the ones that, you know, people hear from us. I want people to hear all the stories about all you guys. And and the ones that just called in, uh, the last one we did, and I told them that they don't realize how many people they're helping with their stories. Mm -hmm. Because those those call-ins mean so much to the people that are going through some shit and think they're the only ones going through it. Because we're all struggling through something. 
And, and I think the call-ins are very, very important for other people to hear your guys' stories, not just our stories all the time. 100%. 100%. And, uh, and no, we really have a lot of great people on the Patreon, you know, that like consistently write in, consistently uh, call in uh, some veterans, some nurses, some... Uh, we had a, an engineer the other day. I think it was an engineer, an electrician um, from San Francisco. I hope I didn't butcher that. Um but a lot of like really decent people um, with good messages, good stories, fans, you know, some people that do a lot of great things uh, in the world that just like these stories. So again, if you're not part of it, uh, seriously consider it. You can always obviously cancel your subscription if you're not happy or suggest things that you want to see so that we can continue to improve it because that's super important and we want to continue giving you guys uh, great value and great stories and uh, all that good stuff. So anyways... Great. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, please review the show. Um, that also helps us. And uh, that's uh, that's enough of that. And look for me off this show. I'm doing uh, something with veterans on a show tomorrow, actually. I don't know when they're going to release it. People know I've done shows with Brian Basho. I got you six. And I'm going to be doing something with Steve tomorrow on his show. And these guys really are. I mean, I got the most respect for these guys. They've been through hell and back. And uh, war hero veterans and uh, you know I told them uh, anytime they need me or ask me to come on it's my uh, honor to do anything I can for the guys that honor us in this country so thank you everybody beautiful thanks guys